Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 146. Today we are wrapping up our Recipes for Success series by talking about the icing and sprinkles of a successful lesson plan. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from the teaching week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we're enjoying in or out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And it's time to discuss our highs or lows from the teaching week. We're getting close to um, Thanksgiving. Yeah. And so, you know, all things are happening. We're still chugging along. Do you have a higher low to share, Carrie? Again, always could go either way. Um, I'm going to go high, though. Uh, so we have a new student in our school. He is a third grader, and he uh, comes to us from China and only speaks Mandarin. And, you know, I have worked with many students who are, you know, whatever the acronym is these days, E-L, E-L-L, E-S-L, you know emerging language learners, right? People who language, English is not their first language. Okay, so I've worked in dual language schools many years, um, but pretty much the majority of my students who fall into that dual language category are Spanish speakers. So I know a fair amount of Spanish enough to get along, to give basic directions, to kind of help a student. And then, you know, the, the progression of just them watching and learning and translating for each other is just a beautiful thing. Well, this threw me a curveball because I know absolutely no Mandarin other than ni hao, which is hello. <clears throat> Excuse me. So all that to say, you know, it just really made me pause and think and once again, appreciate anyone who's put in that situation where they have to be immersed in a language that they do not know at all. Um, this child, I had him for three days because um, we do three day rotations in my class. And the first day he was very much just trying to listen and absorb. By day two, I already saw him starting to sing and echo some of the things we were doing. And I could see this glimmer of understanding of we were working, we were preparing tikka tikka. Um, so we were doing lots of things where we were identifying one, two, and four sounds. So, I mean, I was teaching the same way I always teach. I was just doing a lot more gesturing, which I'm doing right now in the video, like one, two, like really obvious gesturing, um, just really trying to give him whatever supports I could. And then on day three, I presented tikka tikka and I could see this light bulb go off in his head where he understood ta titi ticka ticka we left out half notes and rest for now i just didn't want to convolute things um and it was just so incredibly sweet and he was smiling and he had a turn to play the steady beat on whatever instruments we were playing i saw him trying to sing a little bit you know and it was just it was really heartwarming and it's not props to me it's just props to him and his classmates were really really sweet and it just really made my day to see this kiddo who you know just within three days um you know and i know we go back and forth on this you know music is a universal language, like yes and no, right? Like all cultures have unique musical experiences. You can't just say there's one music of the whole world. However, music is a unifying language. I really believe that, especially when you start to give them things that aren't necessarily attached to a specific language. So like solfege and rhythm syllables, those kind of things, you know, kids can pick up on because it's not necessarily attached to English or whatever language. So anyways, I'm, I was just really happy to see the progression he made just within three days and he's so sweet and he sees me in the hall and he waves to me so I feel like we made a little connection and um you know again it's not props to me it was just trial and error of just trying to make him feel comfortable and I think even beyond him feeling comfortable and him feeling successful which was really exciting so yay mini celebration about that hooray hooray how about you Tanya high or low you take the high road and I'll take the low road. I'm gonna go low. I mean, like like you said, it can always go either way. Um, but just because I'm thinking about yesterday, which was Friday, and I have been, I don't know, battling something. It's not COVID. I took two tests. 
Um, I don't get sick a lot. I really don't get sick much at all. And so I was feeling kind of icky earlier in the week and um, body aches. And I thought I had a fever, but I didn't. And just chills and um, just not feeling awesome and some congestion. Anyway, um, I had uh, been feeling yucky. And then Thursday, I felt like I turned a corner and I was feeling better. But then by Thursday afternoon, I was kind of feeling crummy again. All this to say, I thought about not going to school on Friday and calling in for a sub. But then I thought, no, I'm out, I'm over this. My body already, it, I turned a corner. I'm done, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, I should have taken a day to not go to school because I was feeling crummy. Nothing horrible happened like within the day. I just found myself, I just had low energy and... I was mentally, there were things that I was like, Ooh, right now, you know, the third graders, for example, we could take that next step and do this thing. And then my other part of my brain went like, no, I'm too tired. I can't. So, <laughs> um, what I'm saying is I gave less to my students and to my classes because I just, I, I, I needed the rest, right? And and that's okay. Sometimes you have to sub for yourself. We have another episode all about basically subbing for yourself yeah, when you don't feel great. But in this case, you know, there would have been no no harm, no foul for me to if I would have gotten a sub. And I think I would have. In uh, my school recently, we've got a lot of subs um, who are willing to come in, and I should have just taken a day. Yeah. Anyway. All that, to, and like, like I said, nothing horrible happened. It's not like there was any huge fallout. It was just like we could have done more in every single class, in every single grade level. We should have, would have, could have. But the not feeling awesome side of me was like, oh, but the Tanya that would require you like getting up and and showing them this dance pattern. And no, we're not doing it. Yeah, that's a good reminder. We need to take care of ourselves and it's not worth pushing ourselves too far. I understand it's hard when you can't get a sub because I've been in that position before. Um, and then the guilt associated with your teammates having to cover for you and all that. But all that to say, health comes first. And, you know, if you can't be the best you, then you might as well take the day, especially if you can, and uh, take care of yourself so you can be better tomorrow. <laughs> Exactly. Reminder, Tanya. It will link to that episode in the show notes. I really, I'm part, really proud of that episode. I share that a lot with music teachers when they say I'm not feeling well or I'm under the weather or whatever. It's like, oh, here's a whole list of things you might consider doing. And I go back to that list too because it's yeah, there sure. are times where you just feel icky or maybe something's going on with you personally at home and your brain is just not all there. So I think those are it's it's a really good list of things to yeah. do. And, and it's just hard when, because I wasn't completely going to the list. Sure. I wasn't completely subbing for myself. Right. I you were still trying to plow through. Regular, regularly scheduled programs. Yeah. Programming. Yeah. But I was just not, you know, giving it my all. I got and all you. of that, you know. Well, I hope you feel better soon. Thank you. <laughs> So now it is time for our main theme, and we have been doing a series we've been calling Recipes for Success in talking about creating successful lesson plans. And before we jump in today, just a recap of what we've done in our past episodes. So episode number 140. Three. Am I doing my math correct? 143, we talked about lesson segments for primary grades. And then in 144, we talked about lesson segments for intermediate grades. And that being when you go to sit down to write a, what I call a traditional lesson plan, I start with that first. Like what are the main chunks? What are the main things I'm going to be doing? This is where my rhythmic or melodic content is going in. And this is where I start. This is always the basis of our cake that we're building here, right? When we're thinking about our lesson 
lesson plans is our cake. This is the foundation, okay? You start there. Then in our last episode, episode 145, we talked about transitions, which are those lovely things that you do to get from one segment to the next. The transitions are not more important than the lesson segments. You start with lesson segments and then you add your transitions and it just makes your cake flow. It makes it taste better. It makes it delicious. So today we're talking about icing and sprinkles, which is really this like idea of bringing it all together and adding in things that go beyond what I call like a traditional lesson plan. And when I'm thinking about like a traditional Kodai inspired lesson plan, especially, it's like you have lesson segment transition, lesson segment transition, lesson segment transition. And some of those lesson segments might be playing the game or whatever it is associated with the things. But then there are times where you want to do things that don't necessarily fall into, okay, this week I'm supposed to be practicing Ta and Titi and preparing So and Me. Okay, but what if I also want to do some other things? So that to me is like the sprinkles. Or what if it's the holidays and I want to tie it all together with some holiday themed activities? So that might be your icing on your cake that kind of gives your whole lesson like an overall theme or flow. The important thing I want to stress, and then I'll let you chime in, Tanya, because I know you're dying to talk, um, is that you don't start with the icing and the sprinkles. And this is where I think a lot of music teachers might go wrong. Um, if you're always just looking for those sprinkles, like it's Sunday night and I'm going to pop on TPT or I'm going to look at this blog and I'm going to go try and find this cute turkey idea because it's Thanksgiving and now all of a sudden your whole lesson becomes sprinkles, well then you don't have a solid lesson plan, in my opinion. You don't have those lesson segments that is like, here's the real meat of what we're doing. But at the same time, without that icing and sprinkles, your lessons can feel very um, formulaic. They can feel a little boring to you and to your students. So I think it's about the balance. I think it's starting with the lesson segments, adding your transitions, and then looking for sprinkles and icing to bring it all together. Thoughts, Tanya? So many, so many thoughts. Uh, So you just (laughs) mentioned, you know, it's not It's not girl dinner. It's not all sprinkles and icing, right? I do love a good girl dinner, I hate to say, but yes, I understand the the analogy there. (laughs) Yeah, so my first three years of teaching, I feel was all icing and sprinkles. Oh yeah. And I mean, after my first three years of teaching, I took a year and reevaluated and lived elsewhere and, you know, did not teach uh, because I just felt like, I'm not teaching music. I'm leading kids through musical activities, but yeah. I'm not teaching music. Yeah. Whatever. On and and then I also had to evaluate. Well, what does that mean? Teach. I mean, it, you know, I don't want to go crazy with all of the like introspection that happened. But yeah, I really felt like it was all like, well, this is fun, and we're singing, and we're moving, and we're dancing, and we're creative movement, and we're this and we're that, and and I would go to an ORF workshop. Um, in New Mexico, where I started my teaching career, and all these wonderful things, and have so much fun. And then I would take those things into my next week and just see what the kids liked. It was all based on, oh, they like this. Let's do this. Yeah. Oh, they like that. Oh, let's expand on that. And until my Kodai training, really, I, I did not feel as though I was really teaching music. So, yes, I agree with all of that. Um, my other thought to bring it into a more modern context is that we've been talking about a little bit about chat GPT and how you can have it do these things. Um, these are the things that chat GPT won't write. If please don't write your lessons with chat GPT anyway, right, I mean, right. it'll come up with a, you know, I mean, a, a very boring, but I guess could please an administrator maybe lesson could look good on paper, looks okay on paper, but ChatGPT is not going to know, oh, you have five kids in your um, second grade class who just started Irish dancing and they're really interested in that and other kids are now interested and let's bring that in. So it's all of these things that make you and your specific students and your specific community um, light up as far as music goes and the connections that you can make. Um, it's not just that because you're bringing in other things as needed, but I know I'm a big fan lately of saying, read the room Mm -hmm. because that's a big deal when you are a teacher is you have these real students in the room and 
you are always looking for those opportunities to connect or those things that need those holes that need filling. Maybe there was a uh, something traumatic that happened at school or in the community that you might need to spend some extra time on SEL type of activities, yeah. mindfulness things. Um, you as the specific music teacher, you're the one who's going to know that. Yeah. And no one else can come in from anywhere else and say, oh, well, your lesson needs to have X, Y, and Z, and then we're done. So we're going to talk through some of these things, um, some icing things, but please remember, read your, read your room, read your right. school, read your classroom. Know, you know, if, yeah, I, I, I'm just thinking of all the different scenarios that could happen. This does not mean you throw out the baby, baby with the bathwater. So if you have something, um, that has happened in your community, like, you know, there's an influx of Irish dancing. You don't stop the world and go, well, we were working on Sola and me, but now it's all about Irish dancing. It's right. not that. Right. It's those, okay, it's now, different. yeah, I have some, some minutes here that I'm going to add this mm -hmm. cultural connection. I have some minutes here that I'm going to add this creative movement. Um, and then some of these things I actually do on the fly. I don't change my entire lesson on the fly. Right. But I'll, I'll give an example. Um, I think it was first graders uh, earlier this week. They came in and I don't know what had happened in their day, but they were very, very squirrely, very moving, very, you know, and the first thing that I wanted them to do was this rhythm reading, reviewing Ta and TT and really getting into it and, you know, doing some body percussion where Ta is here and TT is there. And then we take it to the instruments. They did not have the focus to do that. And in the moment I was like, you know what, we're going to do highway number one, mm -hmm. uh, which is a fantastic uh, song shenanigans it's available on youtube where they are literally moving around the room as if they are cars on highway number one and they are doing all these motions um yeah. i have enough experience that i was able to just like right away within seconds put my hands on that youtube video play the audio and have us driving around the room and that was what we needed in that moment because even if i had forced them everybody sit down we're reading this rhythm students, this is happening. It wasn't going to happen. So yeah. No, so there's right. lots of things there. Oftentimes yeah. these are the kind of things that I put towards my end of the lesson, not so because I want them to be at the end of the lesson, but it's kind of like, okay, if we have time, we'll do this. Or if the students need it, we'll do this. So I kind of have like a few bullet points at the end of my lesson of like extra things, sprinkles, that if we didn't do it, the world wouldn't end. Like it's still fine. I'm still on track with my yearly plans and my long range plans, but here are some things I could sprinkle in. And sometimes it does happen at the end. And sometimes, like you said, in the moment, it's like, oh, we need to move. So let's let me grab this or ooh, we need to calm so let me grab this listening activity and that's going to help us sit and calm down so it is a good idea to you know especially if you are newer to lesson planning and earlier in your career if you don't have all these things off the top of your head like tanya does to at least have like a few bullet points and have things kind of ready on the side have that well people don't use cds anymore but have that song queued up in your playlist if you think you might get to it have those instruments sitting out you know, on the side. So the kids aren't like, Oh, we're playing that. But like maybe off on the side, maybe with like a fabric over it. So they don't see it, you know? So it's kind of like, if you get to it, great. And if you don't, that's fine. Right. That's exactly. kind of how I think of these things. So, so all that to say, what we're going to do today is just go through an example of like different types of sprinkles and icing. And yes, we'll give a few examples along the way, but the whole point is that it's not about giving you the activity. That's the whole point is that, you know, find the activities and figure out where they're going to fit in your lesson. But we will, we will give you a few just for the sake of examples, but don't expect to go to the show notes and see like pages and pages and pages of songs and activities. It's more like here are some general ideas of what you might do what you might think of exactly okay. yes all right so starting with a themed lesson <laughs> now again this is where i've seen music teachers and definitely classroom teachers go very wrong where it's like 
Okay, my lesson today is all about apples and everything I do has to be about apples. It's like, first of all, oh my gosh, that's way too much. And second of all, like, okay, but then what's your focus? Because if you're using this song and this chant and this song and this chant, maybe their musical content doesn't make sense for what you should be teaching, right? Um, sometimes though, it does tie together really nicely. So. For example, if you're doing the song Apple Tree, Apple Tree, and you're practicing Taz and Titi's, that could easily go into I climbed up the apple tree. And yeah, some of this is like a transition kind of a thought, but then all there are other times where like your whole lesson can be painted around this, this beautiful thing. And I say for me, this really only happens in kindergarten. Part of that is because my kindergarten classes are only 25 minutes long. I don't have full length kindergarten classes. So to me, having a thematic lesson in kindergarten is pretty easy because it's not like I'm trying to do an entire 45-50 minute lesson um, around a theme. So I'll give you an example because I just planned this lesson today and this is lesson um, three lessons that I'll be doing um, next week leading into Thanksgiving break but then my last kindergarten class, I'll see them after Thanksgiving break. So I didn't necessarily want to do anything super Thanksgiving themed, you know, and that's also me making a choice about, you know, not going too crazy with the Thanksgiving. But anyways, the whole thing is like, how can I do something that's kind of sort of seasonal without being blatant, right? So my, my theme is not necessarily Thanksgiving, but it's more like going on a sleigh ride <laughs> to go visit family. And that could be, you know, something that you would do with Thanksgiving ish or that could be something that you do you know more winter Christmassy time right so they're gonna come in and the first thing we're gonna do is the echo song oh my no more pie no more pie we're gonna talk about family gatherings and things you might eat and if Thanksgiving comes up great but it's not necessarily about that different types of pie and all that kind of stuff and then we're going to transition into oh well I'm gonna go to my grandma's house because she has the best pie and you know how I'm gonna get there I'm gonna ride my horse and we're going to gallop to the wild rider which is that piano piece by Schumann it's just a very short little piece and we're just gonna literally gallop around the room stop when the music stops we might do it a couple times because it's super short so all we're doing there is getting that galloping movement in our body and starting and stopping and starting and stopping then we're going to gather in my cozy corner and i'm going to sing and read to them the book over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go i have a little picture book of that and what i love about it is it shows children it shows a horse-drawn sleigh and it shows pictures of the jingle bells on the horse so as we're going through the book i'm going to show them the horse and the bells and we're going to talk about how sometimes in the winter especially when there's a lot of snow the horses would wear bells so people could hear them coming and then we're going to transition into bell horses bell horses what's the time of day and i just do an activity with that where we sit around in a circle and on the one o'clock two o'clock and then i change the words to time to run and play because time to go away sounds a little negative i don't know there's different versions of the song so i just do time to run and play and then so i tap two kids on the one o'clock two o'clock and then i have a box of jingle bells the handheld jingle bells in a box in the middle so they each grab a bell and they go galloping with me and then we pick two more kids and two more kids so it's a cumulative thing so by the end we're all galloping around the circle with our bells and then we sit down with our bells and we do steady beat work just copy the teacher different ways to play the bells along with sleigh ride the song sleigh ride the traditional but i usually use the pentatonics version just because it's fun um so first of all not using jingle bells in any sense in this lesson and there are times where the kids start to break into jingle bells and you mean the song jingle bells the song jingle bells exactly yeah. but we're using the bells with lots of other songs because what i'm trying to get out of my kids head is that bells are only played with the song jingle bells that is not true and also these bells are not necessarily related to christmas or any holiday for that matter it has to do with the snow and the bells and all that kind of stuff so that is my whole big wrapped up in a little bow thematic kindergarten lesson where we're talking about going to visit family and riding on a sleigh and horses that have bells and everything i'm doing in this lesson relates to that
And it works well because it's a 25 minute lesson, right? Like had that been a 45 to 50 minute lesson, I might've had to switch it up just a little bit. And then, so that's kind of like the first lesson I do. And then the second lesson, we focus more on the steady beat and I have a beat chart with sleighs. And so I model for them how to tap the sleighs with the steady beat up on the smart board. And I might ask individual students to come and track the beat on the smart board. And then on day three, they get, get they each get their own own beat chart of sleighs and they practice tapping and we say nice and steady nice and steady while we're tapping with the beat so that's how I kind of change it up throughout those three days so that's an example of what a themed lesson might look like Wow, that was excellent. I'm sure everybody is frantically scribbling. <laughs> well, and again, I'll put the bullet points in there and I don't mind putting like bell horses in there. That's easy to do. But the whole idea is, you know, thinking about how a whole lesson could be tied together with a theme, but not going too crazy with that. Because if you do that all the time, it's going to feel a little nuts to you. And also pedagogically, it's not always going to make sense, right? You have to find songs that match the theme, but sometimes then you might be pulling in songs that your students aren't ready for pedagogically, right? Right, sure. Yeah. Just for the joy of doing them all of this. Exactly. Yes. And that's fine in small bits. Like we always say, you're not only going to sing Ta, Titi, So Me, La songs in first grade. Of course not. So of course that's where you can pull in other things. But if you go too far this way, then you lose your pedagogical focus completely. And that's not good either. So. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to give, you did an excellent example I'm not going to talk more about. No, that's fine. Yeah, we should move on to other things. Um, but we also have in here stations, yeah. which we have a whole episode on. Oh, yeah. And we'll link that in the show notes. So stations, you know, is where you have students working in small groups and they rotate around the room um, from station to station. You do not have to have a theme to your station. Hmm. Um, I tend to theme my station as far as like, we are specifically practicing this melodic tone set, or we are practicing this rhythmic concept. I tend to do stations based on practicing um, one of those. Yeah. Yes. But I've also done stations where we are, where it's kind of like a, a hodgepodge, a potpourri of things. Mm -hmm. um, I've also done stations. I did a station uh, thing with older kids where we are listening to patriotic music, reviewing patriotic music, like that kind of thing. Yeah. There too. So, whole thing about stations. If you are interested, look at the show notes. Um, another thing that I like to weave in as some icing is SEL and mindfulness activities. Yeah. And there's a whole episode over um, many, many years ago. Uh, all about mindfulness and mm -hmm. some of the activities you can do with your students. And that can be planted in there because, oh, I, I know at this time of the year, kids are restless. And so I'm going to open with this mindfulness exercise to kind of focus them in, or I'm going to have this particular point in the middle of the lesson where we just take some time and we are listening. Um, we went to a Rocky workshop uh, by Paul Maley last weekend, mm -hmm. and he did one that I thought was really lovely. It was very Del Crows-like, where mm -hmm. we all laid on the floor. He was playing some very lovely things on the piano, improvising, just very gentle, lots of pedal um, melody as he spoke with us. And um, he just kind of talked us through, like, let's think about what you've seen so far today in the workshop. Oh, every time you hear blah, 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 raise a leg. Yeah. Um, anyway. And so he just kind of talked us through some things to reflect on. I thought that was a great example of just a lovely, very short, here's a different way for us to review. So that yeah. would be an example of a mindfulness exercise. Mm -hmm. All right. And that's definitely um, in the category of read the room because, you know, maybe your kids need to move. So it's not time to lay down and focus, or maybe they really need that focus. So yeah, don't force your kids into a mindfulness activity if you feel oh, like yeah. they're not, that's not what they need in that moment, right? Well, it's in my lesson it's, plan. Yeah. Dang it. So I'm going to do it. Like, no, maybe not. Maybe do something else and come oh, back yeah. to it later. Exactly. Read the yeah. room. Yes. Um, 
So then I'm going to jump ahead to musician of the day or musician of the week or musician of the month, which really could, should be planned ahead of time. Oh yeah. And I, I like to do this at the beginning of the class so that I can greet kids coming in as well. So it's kind of a, a double duty, um, lesson segment because they get to see Superman, who is this fantastic indigenous rapper, hip hop artist. Plus I get to make connections with kids as they walk in one-on-one. So I think we've done, have we done a whole episode about musician of the day? I don't know. I know we've talked about it a lot. Um, you know, musician of the, the month, the week, you know what? Um, I'll have to look at that. Maybe um, can I ask you a, a technical question then? Please. So, because I also do musician of the day at the beginning, but not necessarily having it playing as the kids walk in. I have the kids come in. We said blah blah blah. So my question is: um, so it's if it's playing as they're walking in, you haven't like introduced who this person is or anything about their background necessarily. Does that lead to? misunderstandings or I, what I would be worried about, and this is me just maybe being paranoid is like, our kids going to laugh at it because, you know, depending on what it is, because they don't have enough understanding of what it is. If you're just giving it to them right away without any context, does that lead to any issues ever or? How well, okay. So it all depends on the musician. Okay. Right. Of course. Yeah. Um, if I'm showing Jean Baptiste, like no big deal. Right. Yeah. yeah. They see, He's moving and grooving. He's on the piano. He's, mm-hmm. you know, um, it it depends. I would maybe give more context. You know what? Actually, I have not. Um, and I'm thinking very recently, I was showing a Superman video mm-hmm. and it was the song Why. And he's dressed in his fancy dancer, um, traditional you know, clothing. And he also has another fancy dancer with him and they're dancing. And I did have a little bit of giggling and we watched and I, you know, that, and it died off. Um, and I spoke, we, we talked briefly as a class about when we are presented with things that are things that we're not used to seeing people who are dressed differently, people who sound different, people who look different, because we don't know how to react, our brain just naturally will get giggly. Yes. And we can get giggly. But we have to remember that we need to be respectful of differences. Yeah. And um, I actually had a very, I thought, productive conversation with some fifth graders. And it wasn't me like tisk tisking them. Sure. It was like, you know, let's, t- and, and you, I used to get really annoyed, extremely oh, yeah. annoyed yeah. by that reaction, but this is naturally what people, not just kids, but people do. We see something completely different and they've got, well, I've never seen that before and ha ha ha. Um, So we had a short but productive conversation about like um, how differences we have to kind of take a breath and remember not everybody looks like us. Not everybody sounds like us. Not everybody is going to act like us. And it's good to know how people are that yeah. are not like us. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk about that more later and know better, do better too. So maybe I'm jumping ahead and it's on my head. But I guess my, my technical question is, are there times where you specifically wait until the kids are in the room, talk to them about what they're going to see first before you play it? Or it, is it always this way, therefore they're used to it and it's not so much of a big deal anymore? So I didn't answer your question and I'm sorry. No, I, I wasn't have, clear on my question. <laughs> no, I have in the past sat him down and said, hey, we're going to see something. Sounds different, looks yeah. different, okay. is different. Take a breath. Right. Yeah. Um, I haven't done that in a long time because I've noticed that the more that I show them, the less it's a problem. Perfect. That's kind of what I was thinking your answer would be. I just wanted to clarify that because um, yeah. I'm a little more old school where the kids come in, we sit, and then we usually do like some sort of warm activity and then we do musician of the day in that I usually like to tell them what they're going to see and hear before but I do like this idea and I might play around with it of just having it playing as they come in and having that well yes and I understand also I I kind of 
fight with myself because I don't like the back of the line kids missing the beginning of the right, right. and all that. But it's kind of a trade-off because I want the students to have something to focus on the minute they walk in the door and yeah. I want to be freed up to make personal connections. Yeah. And I, my students, and maybe yours are, do better at, at this, but my students, if they walk in and there's nothing going on and it's me greeting kids at the door and doing all of this, chaos is erupting behind me. Oh, 100%. I just and, don't um, greet them at the no. door. I don't do that piece. I know you do that and that's great. That's, I yeah, don't. No, I understand. Anyways, okay, that's a very technical thing. But yeah, musician of the day or a month, like you said, having students listen to something that's not necessarily tied to a specific melodic or rhythmic content that you're working on and also not necessarily con you know, connected to a cultural aspect. Like, yes, we have been listening to indigenous musicians in November for Native American or indigenous you know, heritage month, but you know, that doesn't mean you have to. And that also doesn't mean that you can't listen to indigenous musicians later in the year, right? Like. You can completely get away from Heritage course, Month and yes. just listen to music that you're pulling in for whatever reason you want to pull in or ask your students, let them contribute to the music that you're listening to. But um, yeah, that's really important. And this is something that I've gotten back into. You know, I got back into it during COVID when I felt like, well, we can't do this. So let me plug this in instead. But then I've kept it, you know, because it's important that kids are hearing music just for the joy of listening to music and we're exposing them to all these other musicians. I just get overwhelmed with all the choices of musicians that I should and could be playing for them. So I just have to yeah. remind myself to rotate them out next year and do something completely mm -hmm. different next year. Yeah, you can't hear everything and yeah. it's hard to make those choices. But yeah, sounds like a podcast we need to, episode we need to do if we haven't done it already and talk yeah, more in like depth about listening in all types of ways like difference between you know folk and then there are times where we do focus listening you know like listening to mozart's rondo alla turca for the ticka ticka ta ticka ticka ta right like that has its place too right um but then listening to music that's just beautiful and you know for for learning about different cultures or just calming or you know just listening for form or listening just because it's cool. Like it could be for so right. many things, right? And this is always back to this idea that I really want to stress in my classes with my my students is that it's not school music yes. and real world music yeah. that they're all, it's all music. And I don't want kids to think, well, that's the music for school yeah. that I don't like. That's school music, not the same. This is my music. I want it to be like, you know, hey, melody and harmony and rhythm and form happen in this music that we learned in the music classroom. But then listen, they're also happening in Drake's music, right? Yeah. So I want them to be able to like take that understanding and love lots of different musics oh, and yes. relate it to what they love. So yes. All right. Um, moving on other things, <laughs> dance yeah, and creative music. Yeah. Um, Folk dance, you know, when you can connect a folk dance to a specific thing that you're already working on, that's a lovely thing. With dance, and we've talked a lot um, in past episodes, but one of the things that I love about dance is that whole um, feeling of form and not calling attention to it, not using symbols necessarily. Here's a triangle section, you know, now the circle section, here's the A, here's the B, but them feeling the form in their bodies. Um, it is so much more musical for them to move to music in a musical way. Um, and they're connecting the idea of like, oh, we're back to this section again and I'm doing the same movement. So you're doing that unconscious learning. So dance and creative music is wonderful for that. Um, we're just, you know, we're connecting it to movement. And like the Del Crows people would say that the body is your first musical instrument, right? Mm -hmm. In a Kodai world, we would say your voice is your first musical instrument. Del Crows says, no, your body is your first response to music, your first musical instruments, and we need to feel everything before we're able to sing it or play it, right? Yeah. So um, I'll mention a couple of dances I've been doing lately just for fun. Um, I brought out Bal Belinda oh, because yeah. 
last weekend, you and I were talking about that when Paul was was showing a dance that he did um, with a dip with the same dance, different song. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I used to do this to Bow Belinda, which sounds just like it's got the same melody as Drunken Sailor, which I have abandoned, even though Drunken Sailor is not exactly what you think it is. Anyway, I've abandoned that. Love actually- the Dorian tone set, though. Yeah. Um, so I did this with my third graders. And I also pulled out my dulcimer and just like strummed along. Um, It was super easy and I got to sit down. (laughs) So that was one of those things where it's like, oh, low energy for me and they can do the thing. Um, And Bow Belinda worked very lovely. And in case you don't know, the song goes, Bow, 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 Belinda, bow, 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 Belinda, bow, 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 Belinda, won't you be my partner? Maybe slightly different words instead of won't you be my partner. Maybe it was... No, that's how I know it. Now, but I also want to point out that the version Paul did with us was not that version. He did a version in a in a more pentatonic or major tone set. So if you and I put a reel of it on our Instagram and on our Facebook. So if you watch that and then you just heard Tanya and you're like, "What? That's not the same thing." It's because there's different versions, right? But um, I also prefer the Dorian version just because how often do we get to sing in Dorian? Not enough, in my opinion. So that's right, and it's such a catchy melody, and the kids latch on really quickly, and away they go, and it's a long way set. But your partner is not who you're doing most of the interacting with. You're interacting, you know, with the corners from the. Anyway, this is not good for a podcast to describe the dance. That's just one of the dances I've been doing recently. Maybe there's a a video thing we need to uh, do in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dances. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's creative mu- movement also. Um, and I did this recently with kindergarten where we were doing Hungarian dance number five with scarves because yeah. we are reviewing our fast and slow. And so, you know, we're prancing around the room. Da, 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 right. Um, and then we make these broad strokes during the slower sections. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, well, some it could just be something as silly as acting something out. And you know what? Older kids like this, too, I have to say, because I've been doing with my fifth graders um, and I'm still doing it. I'm hanging on to it. The uh, El Reloj de la Calaveras, the tumba, que tumba, 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 which talks about, you know, what the skeletons do when they come out at one o'clock and then at two o'clock and then at three o'clock. And there's all these different verses of things they do. And I just like act it out, kids. And I'm playing the drama the tumba tumba and they're chanting it and they're acting it out my gosh they love it fifth graders they absolutely love it they think it's hilarious and i didn't tell them what to do i didn't say no on this you're going to do this for eight beats like no i just said act it out and it was just a fun moment of relaxation and just enjoyment for them and then we buckled down and we looked at the tumba tumba rhythm as t ticka t t blah 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 but you know Older kids like to act out things too. Don't forget, especially if it's about skeletons, like anything about spooky stuff, they still love. So, exactly. Cool. Okay. All right. So let's also talk about books. I mean, I mentioned one earlier, how I wove it into my thematic lesson. Um, You can go crazy with books. I mean, you can create a whole lesson around a book, adding instruments and doing a sound story, or it could just be like a little moment where you sit and you read something because, you know, it fits into the theme or the season or the holiday, or just because it's a beautiful song you want to sing for your kids. Um, I try to do that towards the end of my kindergarten and first grade lessons. I don't always have time I don't always get to it but it's a lovely way to end class you know to have them gather with you in the cozy corner um but again a reminder that older kids love books too (laughs) so having your older kids listen to you read a story is also really powerful yes um can I mention a couple of yeah I was gonna say I feel like you want to say something specific go for it well you know I, I I have been reading books at the end of nearly every class with most grades for the last two lesson cycles, mostly because I, um, well, I mean, because sometimes it connects directly and sometimes it doesn't, but I want them to come closer and sit down and share this book with me because I had a student teacher and then she moved on to her next placement. And I want to make sure I reconnect with those kids. So in addition to that one-on-one eye contact, how's it going kind of thing that I can do when they're not in the room or when they're on in their on their way in the room or at a recess duty or whatever. Um, 
I find that reading to kids or singing and playing for them is a really great community builder, relationship builder, more informal, cozy time, like you just mentioned. Um, and sometimes the books I use do not do you know, any connection. I'm thinking specifically of The Dark by Lemony Snicket, which is one that I was reading to first graders around Halloween time. Um, do you know this book? I, you mentioned it to me. I don't know if you mentioned well, it on this podcast or just when we were talking off mic, but yeah, okay. you mentioned it. Uh, yeah, it's a Lemony Snicket book, but the um, illustrations are by John Klassen, who also did um, I Want My Hat Back. Oh, and, yes. Um, yeah that whole trilogy of books anyway. So, um, and it's not a spooky book at all. The whole point of the book is that the dark is not particularly spooky. That's the whole point of yeah, the book. Yeah. But, and there was nothing musical that I was connecting to it. Um, another book that I was reading with third graders is Sam and Dave dig a hole. Same illustrator, John Clazen that did, I want my hat back. Um, and it's really just, mostly told in pictures, which is why they need to come closer because the pictures tell the entire story and Sam and Dave, they're digging this hole and they say they want, they want to keep digging until they find something spectacular. And then as they're digging, you can see underground, there's like this huge diamond, but they're digging right past it. And then they stop and they go, Hey, maybe we should go a different way. And it's really just amusing because all the third graders are like, Oh my God. They're it's, it's like watching a, um, you know, a thrilling movie with right. kids. Because they're, Don't they go that continue. way. <laughs> yes, it was just a lot of fun. And I did plug in them to sing, you're going the wrong way. Do la 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 la. Oh, nice. But, you know, we're just singing, we're going, you're going the wrong way. It, I do, I pull it out and really make sure that we know it's do la 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 la. And then we take it to the interest. No, we're just singing it. Yeah, yeah. Just for fun. Um, so that's the two I've been using recently. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of things and older kids need books too. Yeah. One of my favorite books to read to older kids is the Taylor and the mouse, the John fire Robin one. I'm sure I've mentioned it before because, mm -hmm. uh, there's some gnarly pictures yeah. of a mouse and a pie in an oven that fifth grade appreciate, you know, more so than other people. And, uh, yeah. So ending with a book, don't, break your brain trying to make it connect directly to things. Sometimes yeah. it's nice to just read, just like sometimes it's nice to just sing, right? Or just listen. Yeah. Or just this listen. Is where, yeah. If you can, you know, kind of pre-plan like books you might want to focus on that month or that week and have them, you know, ready to go. I know some people create beautiful book displays in their classroom and all that. Um, I just put them up on my whiteboard. I have a section of whiteboard where I can fit like seven to eight picture books. And so I just put out a variety of books that, you know, if I have an extra few minutes or we just need that, I can just grab one and quickly be ready to go. If you don't have that display space, just put them in a little basket and keep them on your desk or keep them next to your desk and you can just easily grab them rather going over to a whole bookshelf and be like, hmm, we should read a book. What book should yeah. we read? Like, you don't have time for that. And don't turn your back to your kids because now chaos yeah. is happening. But having like pre-selected, like, you know, again, I have right now in my board, like, you know, a smattering of silly Thanksgiving books, but then I also have some things that are just kind of like fall and cozy, like Fox went out on a chilly night. And then I have a hush little baby because I was doing a lesson recently with kindergarten about lullabies, you know? And so, yeah, I think just having a, a smattering of books, one that I'm planning with third grade this week is, um, is it 10, 10 fat turkeys, I think, but it has this uh, gobble, gobble, wibble, wobble throughout the book. And so that relates to ticka, 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 which I just presented. But like you said, I'm not even necessarily going to point that out. I'm just going to tell them, make sure you do gobble, gobble, wibble, wobble every time it happens. So looking for a little rhythm or melodic pattern, whether it's in the book or you add it, is a great way to kind of make it relate consciously or not consciously. But yeah, you can also just have fun reading and singing because it's fun. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to, well, I'm going to take what you said just now um, yeah. about Fox went out on a chilly night. Oh yeah. And bring it into, you can use videos. What a beautiful transition, Tanya. <laughs> Not so beautiful, a little clunky, but whatever. Uh, video of a performance yeah. of a song they've heard before, or maybe an instrument you want to feature, or, you know, it's, 
we have YouTube. This is a beautiful thing. It so is a beautiful thing. we can show kids like, all right, you've seen a picture. Uh, you've seen clip art of the bass. You've seen a picture of the bass. And here we go. Edgar Meyer is playing the bass. Oh, look, there's Yo-Yo Ma. There's Bobby McFerrin. And they're singing Hush Little Baby. Or there's... Um, Nickel uh, Creek doing Fox Nickel Went Creek Out on a Chilly Night. That's the transition I meant to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, doing Fox Went Out on a Chilly Night. Oh, look, then... You know, if you really wanted to go there, you know, when Fox went out on a chilly night is done by Nickel Creek, they burst into at the end a Bob Dylan song. So you could totally just weave sometimes, your way over not that. All the time, but, sometimes. but probably not with the little kids. I probably wouldn't go there because that particular okay. song is, you know, not really, it's not inappropriate, but it's not appealing to younger I'm trying kids. to remember which song they go into now. Um, Look out, kids. Something you did. It's a, uh, What's the name of the song? Oh, I'll put it in the show notes. I know the song. Oh, okay. They didn't do that in their last performance when I saw them do the Fox. They just played it straight up. So I'm sure you can find videos that are just them doing it straight up too. Well, I mean, they barely go into it. They take, yeah. you know, like two verses yeah. of the Bob Dylan song and then they go back in, they sing the last verse of the Fox. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I've seen two different videos where they do that. So it's yeah. like a common thing that they do Probably. and they're just, you know, it's just a call. It's just a call back to sure. something else. That's oh, all. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's great. And um, I think it's important to mention, I mean, you mentioned it, that, you know, you singing the song first or presenting the song first is always best, especially if it's something that's a really quick tempo. Because like the Fox, when Nickel Creek does it, it's so fast. So I always make sure that I sing it to them first with the pictures, go nice and slow, point out things in the book, you know, if it is related to the book, I'm talking specifically. But I mean, any song really, like Hush Little Baby too, like if you listen to the Bobby McFerrin, Yo-Yo Ma version, like it strays away from the original. So, you know, it's important that they know the context of, of what they're hearing, you know, I'm, I'm, to me, I like to let, make sure they know the song in its traditional form before we listen to someone else's interpretation of it, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, you perform first and then finding a video of somebody else performing it, you know, then you can combine musician of the day with a song you've been doing in class. I mean, how lovely is that if you feel like you're strapped for time? But yeah, just watching great performances. YouTube is a beautiful thing, you know? And again, I fear if, if YouTube would have been available when I was a young teacher, see, I feel like I would have fallen into that trap of, well, here's a video, here's a video, here's a video, here's a play along, here's a play along, here's a thing. And I think it's easy to fall into that trap if we're not careful. Um, this is icing and sprinkles, right? These are things that you weave into your lessons. This is not the meat and potatoes of your lessons. Exactly. Yes. And then Along the same line of performances, I just wanted to bring in another little plug of you as a musician performing for your students. Oh, yeah. Doesn't yeah. have to be perfect. Um, goodness knows I am not the greatest dulcimer player in the world, but I find it's really beneficial to just sit down in that same way of like sharing a book. It's a more, wow, think about an intimate performance, right? You've got like 25 second grader sitting on the ground in front of you and you're playing dulcimer and singing directly to them and making eye contact. Yeah. They're not going to get that in a lot of places. You are, might be the musician in their lives. And so it's nice to share that. I always put it under the um, umbrella of we're practicing on being a good audience. Yeah. What do we do? We listen, we look, we clap at the end, all those things. Um, this week and next week, I'll be doing a lot of um, the turkey song, the old song that I originally learned from Jill Trinka, of course. Um, but it's a song about a turkey. And I just sing it and play it on my dulcimer. And then I get to talk a little bit about, hey, this is the dulcimer. And it's got this many strings. It's not a guitar. It's not a banjo. It's not this. Um, and then they get to hear this song. And uh, um, yesterday when I was doing this song for them, it didn't go so well because I'm not feeling great. So, you know, that was another time when I went, oh, man. Why am I doing this? I'm torturing me and everybody around me. This is not going well. Anyway, but did the the kids that I sang that that for where I thought it was particularly not awesome, they still thought it was great, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. 
And it doesn't yeah. have to be the dulcimer. Any instrument you're no. comfortable with. If you played the flute back in high school and college, pull out that flute. I played the cello in high school, tiny bit in college. I am not great at playing the cello. I can basically only play twinkle twinkle little star at this point but i get my cello out and i play it for the kids and they're like whoa oh my gosh so yeah they i mean obviously we want to put high quality music in front of our kids do the best you can but don't yes, shy yes. away from it if you feel like oh my gosh this isn't ready for prime time like it doesn't have to be um yeah, yeah. or even if it is just singing just singing a lovely tune without the book because you know if you've got the book they're going to focus on the book and they're almost going to forget that it's you singing there are times where i've told the kids i don't have book to this song i just want you to picture the pictures in your head and some of them close their eyes some of them watch me but you know just me singing to them totally unaccompanied and without a book is also a beautiful thing so it is yeah. who else is going to give that to them exactly exactly i mean i would hope more people but we also know the reality so anyways um all right well there is a big old list of icing and sprinkles but just remember that this is icing and sprinkles <laughs> that your lesson should start with your lesson segments first make those beautiful transitions and then add the icing and sprinkles to just make your lesson uh, a more beautiful holistic experience for you and your kids It's time for our Know Better, Do Better segment. Carrie? So I'm just going to talk about kind of a general idea. And we've talked about this, I'm sure, in some ways, but it just bears repeating. And, you know, I'm almost embarrassed that it took me this long to come up with this aha moment. So presenting music to children when we're talking about, like, musician of the day, musician of the month, anything that's different to their ears, right? Um, I want to stress the importance of balancing music that is traditional of a culture, folk music, as well as the modern iteration of that music, how it can be heard today. So my example of this is doing indigenous music this month um, in November. Um, one of the musicians that um, I wanted to focus on was DJ Shub, who is a Mohawk DJ and producer and a member of the Six Nations of the Grand River. Um, so the particular video that I like to show them, um, it's called Indomitable, and I'll link to it in the show notes and he's not even really in the video other than I think he's like in the background a little bit but what I like about this video is it shows this young man who is at work going through his normal day and then after work he gets in his car and he drives to a powwow and it's a very like big festival powwow it looks like a public powwow um and then you see him walking around the powwow still in just his street clothes talking to people mingling with people and then you see him go back to his car take out his fancy dresser or fancy dancer dress, uh, costume, you know, clothing and put that on and then go dance as part of the powwow. And so I point out to the students because, you know, as we know, <laughs> but sometimes students don't have that obvious connection that, you know, people of a certain culture have traditional clothing and traditional music, but that doesn't mean that's how they just walk around in their daily life. People are not going to work in their fancy dancer dress. That is something that is for a specific purpose, dancing at a powwow. But at the same time, I feel like early in my career, I was really um, focused on the traditional aspects of music. I would show students traditional things, traditional dr costume, traditional dress, traditional foods, traditional music. And then it's like put the stereotype in kids' heads, you know, that this is how people of that culture act all the time. And then I kind of went too far the other way where it's like, oh no, here's a modern, you know, indigenous DJ and producer. Here's, you know, you mentioned Superman, which is, you know, a great mashup of, you know, taking samples of traditional singing and traditional music and then layering it in with more modern techniques and, and hip hop and beats and all that stuff, right? But I think then we lose sight of what the traditional is, right? So to me, it's about finding that balance. So what I did was I showed the Indomitable video, and then I showed them a video of the Northern Cree singers, which is he features the Northern Cree singers as, you know, a loop in and a track in this 
song, right? But then I showed them a video of just Northern Cree singers doing, a, you know, a circle drum at a powwow, powwow music, you know, and they're not wearing traditional clothes, but they're doing traditional singing and drumming. And I think it was important to do both because then the students got to see, you know, here's the, the modern version of it, here's the traditional version of it. And I don't necessarily always go in that order. Sometimes it might be the traditional and then the modern, but it's just a reminder again, and I'm just saying it out loud for myself too, that it's important that kids see both when you're presenting to them music of a culture of which they're not familiar you know if you want to play for them japanese music oh my gosh how much could you play right you could play, play traditional music with a with a koto and then you could play modern you know japanese music as it's heard today on the streets of tokyo right and then how those things can mash together you know you can show them traditional clothing you know, kimonos and things, and then you can show them like modern fashion, right? Like, it's just important that we're not perpetuating one or the other, that we're, we're upholding both. And this, of course, is where it gets super overwhelming. Like, I don't have time for all these things. Okay, so pick one. Oops, I'm smacking my microphone now. Pick one and then, you know, do a deep dive rather than doing a very surface level. Here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. Pick a culture for whatever reason that you want to focus on it, whether it's that's your students are of that culture or not, and you want to, you know, highlight it both, either combination, but to do a deep dive rather than a surfacey dive, and make sure you're showing both traditional and modern. So now it's time for our work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And Tanya is going to share something amazing. I don't know about amazing. I know I always say that. Um, so I have taken to use uh, to using my notes app on my on my phone more recently, um, specifically right after a field trip that I've done or a concert or a performance or something that I might do like once or twice in the year. And what I'm doing is that while it's fresh, I'm jotting down notes of like, oh, I made this change this year and this went well. Um, oh, next year, please remember to uh, make sure kids bring their lunch for the CSO field trip, whatever. So I'm just putting little reminders in my notes app. But now I am also going forward into my calendar and linking the note to... Um, actually I take it back. I did not link the note. I just said, look at notes. Um, oh. so in the future, like in August, when I'm planning X, Y, and Z, I put down right on, and I just kind of picked a random day. Cause I can't tell exactly what day I'm going to be planning the fourth grade concert next year. But I just put down, you know, one of the days that I know that we don't have students before the school year even really gets going um, is to say, check notes for, you know, what the fourth grade concert should have this, that, and the other, yeah. because I'm always having these thoughts about like, Oh, next year, I want to make sure this happens next year. I want to make sure I include that next year. Don't do this, Tanya. Don't, don't forget that this didn't go well, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's a really great idea. I love calendar reminders and all that. So we're reminders to check your notes. And then if your notes are digital, that's super smart. Yes. And this came in handy as I was planning my Colorado Symphony Orchestra field trip because um, the previous year, there were some wackadoodle things that happened that, and I've done this field trip over 20 times, but things that happened that I did not anticipate just simply because I'm in a new school, new community, new environment, yeah. new, whatever, um, new roadblocks. Um, so yeah, I was able to go and go, Oh yeah. Uh, last year, I remember I told myself, make sure you assign kids to a parent chaperone that needs to happen. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Thank you. It's the CODA section. We have lives. Sometimes we enjoy things that are not necessarily music teacher specific, but they can be. So uh, what do you want to share with us, Carrie? All right. So if you haven't already heard us talk about it, I'm going to mention it again. Uh, this year, the Organization of American Kodai Educators, that is OAK or 
Hawaii KE, whatever you want to call it, um, the 50th anniversary of our conference of our organization is happening. Um, it's kicking off this year in Chicago. So this is March. It's like 13th through 17th, 14th through 17th is the main bulk of the conference. And it is in Chicago and it is at the Palmer House Hotel, which is beautiful. And it's just an exciting year, 50th anniversary. So what I specifically want to mention as a coda is, although I haven't bought mine yet, there is official 50th anniversary uh, swag that you can buy, conference swag. And you can buy it ahead of time. So if you go to the OAKE website, that's OAKE.org, there is a link right away at the top on the banner to uh, a website where you can purchase uh, t-shirts. They have both short sleeve and long sleeve t-shirts. They also have tote bags. And then they have lots of different colors and versions of the shirts. So you can get it in like the full, um, 50th anniversary logo full color or you can get it just as like a white decal over a different color shirt um so the whole point is if you're planning on attending the conference don't wait buy our swag now start wearing it to workshops and anytime you're around other music teachers to help promote the conference which is really smart but then most importantly wear it to oak you don't have to wait and purchase it when you get there in fact it's i don't think it will be there to purchase it live and in person it's all by it ahead of time stuff so i'll link in the show notes to the oak website which then will send you to the swag website um but yeah we hope to see you there at oak i'm excited are you excited tanya yeah i'm excited it'll be great yeah oak in chicago it's like two of my favorite things so exactly all right tanya how about you what is your coda <clears throat> well i'm just gonna not talk about television <laughs> total right turn left turn whatever you want to call it yeah, because uh, lately I've been doing a lot of laying down and watching television when I'm not teaching because I'm just, you know, recovering. Um, and on Apple TV Plus, Apple Plus TV, whatever you want to call it, uh, there is a series, Lessons in Chemistry. It was a very uh, widely selling book, a bestseller. And I read the book Lessons in Chemistry a while ago, and then it has come out as a television series. It drops every Friday, and me and my husband, it's kind of our little, has become our little uh, date quote ritual, date ritual, you know, to watch the show. And he didn't read the book, but he's really enjoying it as well. And um, it's worth seeing. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteacherpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. And also remember that our podcast episodes are on YouTube. So if you like to watch as well as listen, just look for us on YouTube as Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee. So look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. Until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking.